Welcome back to Money Talk, Greg Somerville, usually along with Craig Snyder, but Craig Snyder took the day off. I never found out why he took the day off. I'm going to get that story and I'll I'll share it with you next week. I'm sure he had a good reason. Maybe he was just exhausted from uh, our function that we did with Danny Bader. Uh, we have Carl Levinson is joining us today for, for the full show, and uh, we're covering a lot of ground with reference to elder care and the different types of clients she worked with. And one of the things we left off with was Carla said a typical client of hers might have a home that they paid for, might have a few hundred thousand dollars between personal and retirement assets. And if they just go into the Medicaid office, they're going to get a game plan and it might not be the best game plan. And by consulting with an elder elder care attorney like Carla, there might be a better game plan to be held. And my question, uh, one of my questions was, hey, if you only have a couple hundred thousand dollars, um, it's going to cost you, I'm going to guess, some a few thousand dollars to, to work with a really good elder care attorney. Uh, and so you, how much might you save a person like that? I would imagine it would be a factor of many times whatever they're paying to you in most cases. Yes. So the... What I like to impress upon people, because I know it's but most of my clients have never been to an attorney before. It's wow. scary. You know, it's a scary thing. So I try to make people comfortable. But just as an again, this is a, just an example. This is not in every situation. But if someone has about $300,000 and they went to the Medicaid office, the Medicaid office is going to tell them that they can keep about 126000 of that money. Is that a Delaware state thing or is that That's a national? Federal, federal rule, okay. yes, that uh, that number changes every year. It goes up by a few thousand dollars every year. So this year it's one hundred twenty-six thousand four twenty. Don't some don't right. quote me on that. Right, right, right. But um, so the excess of that three hundred thousand dollars, the Medicaid office and the nursing home would just say, okay, uh, spend spend the the balance on nursing care and when you've spent that you know a couple almost two hundred thousand dollars on nursing care then we'll kick in and pay when you're essentially down to their zero yes that's what their zero exactly yep Mm -hmm. um so so that's so that's literally your your plan would be different from that yes okay yeah so fortunately in delaware the way the law works now in a married couple situation we can protect almost all of that excess money so um you know if you're at you know your original question is like a cost benefit analysis right so i explain it to people that for the cost of maybe one month uh, in the nursing home, we can protect, you know, uh, several hundred thousand dollars. Right. And that's, so. that's good math. That's yes. Uh, <laughs> um, so the other question that I wrestle with in my practice a lot, and the result has been that I really haven't written any long-term care policies aside for my, my own and my mom's. Uh, and which is a little weird because you would think if you think something's appropriate for yourself that you would have it with a lot of clients. But even the ones that I've bought and purchased, I'm somewhat conflicted on because to get a really good policy, it represents, even if you have a pretty good income, a pretty big lien on your income. So I have in my head, I'm just going to throw out how I think about it, even though it hasn't really translated into my practice and and, and covering people with these policies or, or business in that area, is that if you have less than $1 million and it's several thousand dollars a year for the next 10, 15, 20 years, I just don't know that that lien, because you're trying to generate income with that pool of money to supplement Social Security and maybe, if you're lucky, a pension. I just don't know that that lien on your income is worth the protection, because also the protection is very rarely now for some unlimited amount of money. It's usually like a certain number of years for a certain number of assets. And that over $3 million, I kind of am like, well, you really can self-insure yourself, because if 
if, even if you spent $750,000, you're still leaving your kids a pretty good chunk of dough. Uh, and then I think where maybe it's appropriate is the one to three million. But um, even that seems super expensive to me. But I know I've seen the alternative and the alternative's not good to if you have like an Alzheimer's type thing or a long-term illness that, with it doesn't really shorten the life of the afflicted person. So just however you want to talk about, talk about long-term care. And the economics of it is that fewer and fewer um, companies are providing it and are charging more and more because I guess it was a real loser for them over the past 10, 15, 20 years. So talk about that however you think the best way to talk about that is. Sure. So, um, you know, I'm not I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not qualified to give uh, investment advice, but I, I tend to gr- agree with you. Um, what I have seen, and maybe I can ask you a question, Greg. I'll try. Um, <laughs> the, um, the thing that if there is going to, if you are going to buy long-term care insurance, how do you feel about those money, the money guard policies? You know what? I need to learn more about them. I really do. And that's uh, the, the big picture idea is that you basically keep money segmented in an account where you earn little or no interest. Uh, and I guess there's certain penalties for bailing out quickly. But I, when I said at the beginning of the show, I need to dig into this stuff more. I do dig, need to dig into this stuff more. I've been to a couple of conferences or, or meetings about it, and I don't think I either fully understand it or there's or, and I can't remember exactly what there were. There were a couple of things. Again, I, I guess we'd have to the big picture thing is you'd have to take that money out of the pool so if I get a million dollars, I say, look, CFPs for a long time have said the amount that you can take out of a million dollars if you're 65 and you have a 60-40 portfolio is 4%. So on a million dollars, I think I can safely give you 4% over the course of your lifetime with a very, very tiny chance of you ever running out of money. So if I take 100000 out of that and I put it into the Money Guard product, now I'm at 4% of 900000 So that's the 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 weight that I do. So I haven't written any money guard um, policies yet, but I do, I should learn more about them and, and dig into them a little bit more. So, uh, you know, without doing, you know, the, the, it's your job to do the, you know, crunch the numbers. Right. But the thing that seems attractive to me about that is at least you are not going to lose that investment if you don't um, use it. So uh, Absolutely. Yeah. No, that it, it's a very interesting product. And now there's also even more complicated products out there where they're tying care together with regular life insurance mm-hmm. and different types of insurance policies. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm generally, I'd say, skeptical of insurance. Uh, so I really, if I'm going to use a product like that, I'm going to have to dig in a lot more uh, over, over time. But uh, no, that's always a good discussion to have. Um, so let me bring up another kind of a weird aspect of this. Uh, and I guess this is an individual basis, but it's come up with my clients. What about the ethics of asset protection? Do you think about that much? Like, and, and this is what I mean by that, is that we work all our lives and we save. And then it really is, let's say it's me who's sick. If I'm sick and I'm protecting my assets, the society is paying for the care that I've built up this money to, to, to really pay for my care. That's why I saved them for retirement. And that's, so somebody's paying for this care and there is some, some people have an ethical problem with it. So how do you think about that? Okay, great question. So, um, first of all, I think that people have this misconception that we have all these millionaires are doing this asset protection planning to go on Medicaid, and that is just not the case. As you can see, or as I you know explained before, my typical client is one that has a couple hundred thousand dollars. So, um, you know, I understand where people are coming from. Uh, I also think that until you're in the situation, um, personally. 
personally, uh, you might have a different feeling about it. I also, no one has been able to explain to me in a um, convincing way how what, uh, you know, asset protection planning is any different than tax planning that rich people do to avoid paying taxes. And, um, you know, so my job as an elder law attorney is to advise my clients what the law is and what what they're allowed to and do. You're, you're, and you're an advocate. You're, yes. you're supposed to be an advocate yes. for that client. Yes. Um, and I, so in a big picture, if I was king of the world way, you're saying if you could wipe out all the offshore accounts and all of the complicated tax strategies that people use, then maybe you can come talk to me about this right. person who's been a longshoreman his whole yes. life and saved 150 grand. Yes. Okay. I'm on board with that. <laughs> um, no, that, that sounds very good. Um, let's talk. We only have about a minute left in this segment, but let's just, uh, I, I want to dig in a little bit to the specifics and here's what I'll do. I'll tell what little I know in my one experience with the Miller Trust and and, and then I want to circle back to it because I think that's a really common one. So my dad was a New York City police officer and he lived in Florida and he wasn't a good saver. That's a longer story for a different radio show. <laughs> uh, but he came up to Delaware when he was ill and he spent a couple years in a nursing home and he basically qualified for a Miller Trust so where his police pension plus Social Security would go into an account and they added up to like $1,300. The cost of Brandy, it was Brandywine Nursing Home, was 3000 a month. So for his two or three years that he lived up here, they kicked in the 1700 Brandywine was fine with it. We were fine with it. And he had enough money to throw money into the grandkids' cards. So when we come back, I'd love to have you dig in a little bit to the specifics of, of um, what type of situations that's appropriate for, how that works, what's the cost in setting stuff like that up. And then uh, we'll just keep talking about different issues related to elder law. Uh, this is Greg Somerville along with Carla Levinson. If you want to reach out to Carla Levinson, if you have a situation, uh, just Google her name or get in contact with me through Somerville Investments. We'll be back in just a minute. 